Do you have a call the grill? It's Falcon Sportsline on Scarlet Bay Community Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. You're welcome once again to Sportsline here on Scarlet Bay Community Radio on 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM in association with their credit union. On today's show, I'm joined as always by Cobras Inter, Pat McNamara. And our special guest on today's show, we will be joined by former Kilkenny Hurler, well known here, uh, journalist here on Scarlet Bay Community Radio, it's Adrian Ronan. We also have a piece here on Scarlet Bay Community Radio today, an interview conducted uh, by former president of the GA and also of Kilkenny Community Radio, uh, Nicky Brennan, who took the time to talk to Jimmy Darcy uh, up there in Crow Park on the Green Sustainability Programme. First of all, Pat, before we get to the the kernel of the discussion tonight mm. and today at the GA, what about the weekend of rugby? And Raj has come back to haunt Linster once more. And to his own great pleasure, I think, and he took a lot of pleasure out of it. And uh, there was issues, they said, there were issues going on uh, that we didn't hear about and uh, disrespect and all this kind of thing. But look, obviously, he's a fair operator, Rogers. Uh, he's gone through his education in both, I suppose, Ireland and France and South Africa at this stage. Um, but particularly in France, I suppose. And he's With the Crusaders in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Uh, he, so New Zealand, I meant to say, not South Africa, sorry. And... Um, Look at he's got his, he's got the proper schooling. I suppose the best school you can get is growing up with a successful rugby uh, atmosphere in Munster first of all, and being part of that and uh, and 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 that great scene with the, with the with the hiding cups. But um, look at first of all, he has an unbelievable squad to, to deal with in La Rochelle. He's put them together partly himself, I suppose, with with others, and uh, he has got players who can play with an enormously physical side and the breakdown was the key I mean after the initial surge by Leinster with the three fabulous tries and Leinster going in like kamikaze tackling you knew Leinster couldn't keep that up I, I even felt it watching it they cannot keep this up past 20 minutes 25 and that's how it turned out uh, a more physical I mean some of those those La Rochelle players I mean they're like chunks of trees they're just unbelievable the power the pace the strength and at the breakdown they just shoved uh, as the game went on, the kind of shoved Linster said, No, Linster didn't try and hold or anything like that. And we know Linster shoved most people around, but um, I mean, it was the Irish team. Uh, to, to, to a large extent, it was the Irish team. Obviously, there were some notable absentees from the other provinces, but it was a lot of the Irish team that won the Grand Slam. So it, it might put little doubts into you about, about uh, playing the more physical teams in the World Cup as well. But look, Roger got it right. Um, I thought Linster, for all their issues and all the pressure that they had to suffer in the second half and couldn't get the out ball I thought that one thing they could have done was I thought either Ross Bourne, there was two things Ross Bourne could have done, taken on the, the penalty from the left hand side or a drop goal near the end when they were in a really good position the three points was going to win it a three point was going to win it that's all they needed and Pat can I ask, go, you, can yeah, I ask you a question did, they lose, did, did, did Gary Wrong, Ringrose and Ross Bourne did they lose their nerve at the vital time it's hard to know uh, the question is with, with regard to the penalty, usually I suppose the kicker has a decision. The, 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 I don't think the captains tell the kickers, you have to take this or you don't have to take it. They say, how do you feel? I mean, that was only about 45, 43 or 4 metres out left and said, OK, it's probably a 50 metre kick. No, but it's nearly to, worth a chance. Yeah, of course. Anyway, the, the, that he went for the corner that time. But James Ryan, of course, was a big loss. Huge loss. As a, and, and as a captain as well. Uh, that's true. That is true. I mean, James, James Ryan is, is, has become a very, very physical player, massive player, the kind of player you want, and, and I mean, a, a workhorse as well. So look at fine margins, but um, the Leinster juggernaut was simply met a slightly stronger juggernaut in La Rochelle. Well-managed, patient, blown off the field early on, and uh, would have that belief 
But above all, the power to wear down Leinster and as, uh, in the tight as the game went on and the breakdown, they simply dominated. But they also pinned uh, Leinster back. And the other thing was the out ball from John, James Lowe and from uh, Gibson Park a couple of times, who normally kick very reliably, a couple almost straight into touch at vital times, kept La Rochelle up, 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 up uh, in Leinster's faces in their own 22. I know, I know Lowe normally, if he kicks that ball, it goes well down into the other 22. Briggs play up to halfway, Leinster were out again, and the game could have taken a different turn. But, um, but I suppose big occasions, Leo, uh, Leo, get the certain players too. Yeah, and there's no doubt he got to, he got to the players. A little bit, yeah. Having said that, for James Lowe, right, they definitely narrowed his angle on his... And they knew he was going to kick, obviously. Everyone knows he's Very obvious, yeah. But they narrowed... They, they cut down the average from... He wasn't going to... Yeah, he didn't get to the to foot. I taught myself, Gibson Park was lost... Lost the nerve altogether. He lost his right guard together. He he must kick three or four balls. He did poor poor kicks. Back, giving them free kicks straight away. You know, yeah. I, 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 I didn't would, see I really. I know. I wonder was it a conscious decision that they weren't trying to go to carry the ball out of defence and maybe win penalties or at least you know get the ball out through engaging the the French the French pack or the French the French defence in general. But everything was kicked out and just come back in as quick, and they were just kept pinned inside their own twenty-two. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I thought in the fairness to Leinster, you could say their defence was superb, considering what they were up against for f- 50, 55 minutes of the game. First twenty, they were superb; they were absolutely brilliant. You knew they couldn't keep it up; they didn't. But I think a few decisions as the loss of James Ryan. Uh, I suppose the loss of Johnny Sexton to manage that game. Oh, without doubt. That's a huge thing. Now, Ross Byrne didn't do a lot wrong, but he's no Johnny Sexton. As I said, Gibson Park, I think, got to him a little bit. You're right. I also thought the same with Lowe, just that, that relieving kick. He got a great 50-22 in the first half. The second half um, just wasn't 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 getting the distance or the clarity or the, or the accuracy. Kept him in their own half a few times inside their own 22. Clear, a couple of poor clearances. Um, not to take the chance to drop goal when they were five yards out it was really on for it and I mean a confident out half would have said look at done a monster on it take the three points game one you're in the injury time and that and the penalty were two decisions that we'll never know maybe Leinster will never admit hindsight, we made the decision that's great but look at uh, it's a bit disappointing as an Irish follower not too much a Leinster follower but as an Irish follower you see you know 12 or 13 of your starting um uh, you start the World Cup they're probably there and being beaten by a great great club side let's face it but great for Raj and I presume the other thing about good thing and Dunica Ryan you're looking Ryan of course you're probably looking please God at a future Irish manager and chief coach in Raj and maybe Dunica Ryan there as well and this experience he's gaining and the knowing how to win games could be very very beneficial to Ireland in the future but currently uh, it's the point that Leinster won from the point of view there were so many Irish players involved and that, that's the thing I'd be, I'd be taking out of it there's no about Pat. I can't let you go without asking your one, well, one player. He's just a beast, Skelton. That's the player. What a, what a beast. I was trying to think of early on. And, you would, you would and, 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 a, and a tremendous rugby An player. An absolute tank who can play. And he's usually one or the other. The tanks, very often the Vinnie Paul is one time, would be running, but like there was no great vision or no great thing happening apart from this guy has it all. What an absolute humdinger of a player. And I suppose you could say he was the difference in a sense. He just gained yards every single time he was in position. And, I mean, they used him to the, to the, to the utmost as well. So, they're a super team. There's no question about it. I mean, they would beat the vast majority of international Pat, teams. Pat, they're good to watch. They're good to watch. That's what I'm saying. I don't think the likes of your Wales or Scotland's or, or, or your Australia's in rugby would hold them at all. I think they're an, a world-class team, obviously. And uh, But, look, so are Leinster, in fairness. But uh, it was this point, I said, from an Irish point of view... 
even though we're Munster fans and Leinster maybe winning too much isn't what makes us happy. But from an Ireland point of view, as I'd be looking at Aid, it's a little disappointing that we didn't have just show that we had more raw, maybe raw power and, and raw grunt. And that bit of thing would come against us, like against, against like South Africa, who play that kind of a game as well. And sure, but it's club, so look at yeah, just food well for done Rogers, yeah, Well done to Rogers, particularly. It's great to see. And of course, Rogers, Rogers' confidence is, is knows no bounds. He's the most confident boy. He, he doesn't come across. He comes across nearly like a, an English or a, or a South African guy and or South New Zealander in the way he talks. He doesn't put up with any self-doubt of any kind. So no, no. unbelievable and uh, great for him. Mentally strong man, there's no doubt totally, about that. Yeah. Pat, you could see from looking at the game, and we want to talk about Munster now, was there in the final mm. out, out in South Africa this weekend, but you can see why Andy Farrell would have great value on Peter O'Mahony and Murray. True. To, if Linster had him two players playing that, they probably would have won. Murray to see out again. And does this phrase, seeing out a game, maybe is nearly dismissive, because Murray would be getting height in his kicks and he'd be getting a bit of distance. He'd be taking the right decision. He'd get, he'd get Leinster players in under the ball dropping when, and to contest it when they were trying to clear their lines a few times. Um, look at, yeah, O'Mahony is just a warrior, a war horse, and it doesn't matter what size he meets, he's, he, knows the, he knows the dark arts and, and, and the fine arts as well. So between his line-out, his, line his work is brilliant, but also his work on the ground as well when there's, when there's a grunt to be done and, and maybe a little bit of a little bit of delaying of the opposition ball. He knows all the tricks and uh, yeah, vital, to, vital, vital to the, to the Irish situation and of course for Munster now as well. So let's 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 hope let's hope now. There's a wouldn't it be fantastic to see Munster winning a, a URC when, when Leinster weren't able to win and they're the hottest of favourites all the year. And it's funny Leinster of all the games they've won and they've won handily and probably mm. maybe that's their Achilles heel. They're mm. not getting tested enough. But Munster. Their season totally turned around the last week, the last time they went on tour to South Africa, won their few games in a row there, they turned their season around, where at one time they were in doubt whether they were going to make the Champions Cup. So survived that, got in, and now here in the final, and up again a Stormers team that they only defeated a few weeks ago. So it's set up for another big one. Absolutely. I mean, it's brilliant as a Munster fan to see that we have now a team that's... Uh, Fighting for uh, in, in a position to win silverware and, and, and serious silverware, uh, a position of the of the South African teams has been brilliant for the competition. That's the first thing, and secondly, it's, it's, it's raising standards all around and it's raised monster standards as you said there. Um, I mean, I remember a few weeks, a few short weeks ago, people were saying round three, what was he at? But secondly, that the front that the the front five particularly of monster weren't even weren't even that the class for playing high end cup or just you know the usual lads were in the aim the other weren't good enough anymore. They've turned it all around, and now the scrum is solid, and they're they're good, and they're they're, they're more dangerous than the loose. And there's a kind of a system of play. Uh, good, I mean, there's some lively backs there. You know, Daly is a fly. Daly yeah, is Shane a very, Daly, yeah, very, player, very, yeah. very fine player. Um, so look at um, going down there. Munster always thrive when when the chips are down and when there's the kind of a them against us thing and when there's you know no hopers and there's five thousand Munster fans booked to go yeah. which is a fair amount of people to hit for South Africa I can tell you uh, it's a it's a long haul sixteen hours on the plane if I remember and uh, it is just fab- fabulous to see Munster there I think they actually can do it there's something about when they're away against the odds the Stormers aren't exactly they're no La Rochelle like let's yeah. face it you know so uh, I'd be giving Munster a, a really good chance I just think they'll fight like dogs I think they'll be just massively up for it and I think uh, I just think you know it can be done they're capable of doing it oh no, no question about it they're capable of doing it yeah 
Yeah, we look forward to it with relish and Connacht very nearly had yeah. the Stormers under pressure a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, sure, yeah. Hen, hen, the Stormers are no, are no self-enforced errors. No ladder shiller to lose that, but they're look at obviously at home they're going to be a challenge, a challenge and it's not going to be easy. But I think Munster, I think Munster will doggedly fight out this one. Yep, look, yeah. we look forward to it with relish. Yeah. Thanks a million, Pat. No problem, yeah. And now we're delighted to be joined on the line by former Kilkenny Hurler and a well-known pundit, uh, Adrian Ronan. It's very, very good to us here on Scarafay Queen's Radio. Adrian, you're welcome once again. Thanks a million, boys. Thank you. Adrian, I suppose, first of all, we'll start off with the, the minor game last Saturday in Turles, um, Clare and Kilkenny and Clare qualifying for uh, the All-Ireland minor final. Your thoughts overall on that game and your assessment of Clare, Adrian? I sure, again, uh, while covering the match locally, we went up more in hope after a poor performance against Galway. But as we all know now, Galway minors are very, very strong. So um, we were delighted, I suppose, with the opening 10, 15 minutes. And, of course, wearing our black and amber hat, um, the sending off was crucial um, to the game plan for Kilkenny. And sure, no matter what you do, 14 against 15 is always difficult. So it became hugely difficult. But Kilkenny put up a great performance for 40 minutes, but they tired, obviously. And Clare then pulled away in the end. Impressed with Clare for the last 20 minutes. But maybe, again, didn't threaten the goal. And yet maybe slightly we worried that Clare minors may need a goal or two to beat Galway. That maybe points alone mightn't be enough. But that is a good Clare team. Very mobile. Really impressed with Egerty at centre-back. The full-back, the corner-back. And um, the young Arthur up front and, and, and young Gilroy. So, look, there's a good mix and a good blend and a big, strong team. But maybe, just maybe, the fact that we went down to 14 men confused Clare a little bit for those last 20 minutes of the first half. When they got it back into the second half, they just pulled away. And you could see it from the five minutes into the second half that Clare were always going to win it. But the concern would be maybe that goal scoring, they didn't threaten the Kilkenny goal uh, or Billy Sullivan. So I think they need to, maybe over the coming week, uh, uh, try and maybe engineer a few goals if they're going to beat Galway. Yeah, and then of course Galway came out then and, and and seemed to be in trouble for a while again. Cork and in a flash they were up seven or eight points and they went on to win the semi final handsomely. Yeah, and sure as we all know over the years, uh, minors and being involved in minors and playing minor and watching minors, it never it not it doesn't always go the way if everyone predicts. So again, you can be a raging hot favourite here and. I just go back, we, even in the last few years, the, the Kilkenny minor, last Kilkenny minor win was an ordinary team. And we played that uh, a Limerick team that now has seven or eight of the present team and they blitzed them in an All-Ireland final. Well, they didn't blitz them, but they beat them in an All-Ireland final. So look, minors uh, are, are very, so unpredictable minor hurdles. So I give Clare a great chance. Yes, Galway will be raging hot favourites, but that'll suit Clare and be neighbours then that'll obviously suit uh, Clare in a one-off match. And then Turles... You know, Clare might be a little bit more uh, used to Torles again with young lads as well. So, um, right, right, Clare off at your peril. But it'll be a great all earned And obviously, um, they, it's the two best teams because, as you rightly said, they were the teams that were mentioned at the very beginning, possibly to uh, to uh, play in the final. And I suppose just before we leave that, Adrian, as double header uh, with the Waffley Cork under 20 game, and I suppose you'll be maybe watching on from the Leicester side. Uh, Clare had a, a good run under 20, but Cork uh, caught us out in the Munster final and uh, they're playing awfully. But of course, a resurgent awfully. And uh, how how is the resurgent awfully with good young lads coming up, like young screening and all those? How is that viewed in Kilkenny in general? 
Which we're, we'll be very disappointed with the way we finished up in the under-20. We were actually taught we were very good and very strong. and We expected to do very well and we expected to contest the final. Now, look, the confusion again, this whole stupid rule regarding seniors not allowed to play mm. and the under-21 rule affected the Kilkenny team. We had three lads mixing and matching between seniors and under-21. Drennan was injured, didn't play against Wexford in that match, but we still thought we had enough and we didn't beat Wexford at home in Nolan Park, so we were very disappointed. Uh, again, that would have probably meant it. And obviously, then we would have played Offaly. That's a young Offaly team, as we all know. Yeah. They're, um, you know, they're probably going to get even stronger. There's eight or nine of that last year's minors, which means they're still only 18 years of age. Some, maybe seven or eight of them, have still another two years after this year. So, look, you take your chance when you get it. They're on a high. They're massive support. You would think that Cork just might be more experienced, physically stronger and more seasoned as 20-year-olds. But look, it's a step forward for Car- Offaly. Um, they're possibly a year ahead of themselves. The fact that they ended up playing Wexford in the final, beat Galway on the way, avoided to Kenny, beat Wexford. Sometimes your name might be just on the cup and you'd never know. But look, you take a huge effort out of Offaly um, and Cork will have to play poorly. So you'd expect Cork, based on what we've all seen. But just before we leave it as well... Um I suppose not a bad idea, though, in a sense, to have that double header maybe for the future way to go, minor and under-20 together. You know, we might get a new team upcoming and a big crowd out, so there's talk of awfully bringing 15,000. So it might be good for um, just spreading the word that, you know, the under-20 minor level uh, gives plenty of entertainment and it'll be it'll be standalone on TV and all that. So, you know, it should be a good day in Turles overall. No, it is massive, as you rightly said, especially now that you have the novelty of awfully coming back you know, and the likes of yourselves bringing a great crowd at minor. Uh, okay, we still have the Galways, we still have the Corks. But like as you said, expect 25,000, 30,000 at an under 21 and minor double header for sure. You should have 30,000 there. You know, years ago we did have them at some of those all earned under 21 yeah. big crowds, but they have died in the last couple of years. But thankfully, you know, the 17 year olds and that age group is getting, you know, some bad publicity because they're still very relatively young. But you think now that they could have 30,000 in Turles. Uh, next weekend is massive for the game massive for the young lads and obviously massive for the counties involved yeah indeed I and mean, we wish them all the, the very very best, best to look and we'll be previewing that minor final in more, de- more depth next week turning to <coughs> the senior championship Adrian here we start with, with Munster and of course first of all Clare already into the Munster final alright suffered defeat to Tipperary in the first round but looks like more than more, more than likely it's going to be Tipperary the opponents again in the Munster final but an awful lot to play for this weekend Tipperary playing Waterford Limerick and Cork in a do or die game in there in, to see who's going to come out of the group as well yeah sure look um, I suppose we're jealous and envious of what's going on in Munster Hurling as Leinster people we've given a long time backing up Leinster Hurling and Leinster um quality but I'm afraid we have to put our hand up now and just say hey yeah Munster Hurling for sure is the is the D place to be and this is the, the venue is the, the showpiece um Leinster Hurling as we all know and after the performance of Wexford last weekend we have nothing to be really sure of or talk about. But look Munster Hurling has been super Clare being in a final massive uh, for Clare delighted for Lone I have to say. Uh, I still have the marks off him, but uh, <laughs> a great man, great manager, sound fella, and uh, stuck with Clare maybe at a time when maybe a lot of people weren't willing to take on Clare and stuck with him and and uh, galvanised that team and was unlucky in the last year or two not to get another break or two, but hopefully now that um, he's, I suppose, his character is in, is in those that group of players and look, I suppose, 
Uh, injury-wise, the likes of Conor Cleary now being injured, that's a huge concern for Clare, of course. But look, to be in a final, uh, as I said, delighted for the likes of Lone, um, massive hurler uh, over the years, and it's great to see his loyalty to Clare and those young lads uh, now coming through. So yeah. I suppose, look, watching what's going on tomorrow, I suppose, look, everybody's still, the fact that Limerick are at home playing Cork, you'd have to say Limerick are still the team to beat, even though... Um, they haven't performed as well in Munster in the last few weeks. But um, again, it's hard to say, but listening to everybody, Tip, it's hard to see Waterford beating Tip, but if there's anything in Waterford, you'd have to give him a great chance. But look, I still said it, I said it at the beginning of the year talking to yourselves, I said it on a numerous forums. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion for Tipperary all the time. I know they've lost Jason Ford, and this is it's like yourselves with Conor Cleary. Losing players is massive now in injuries, but if you can keep injury free, you know, certainly I think Tip have still uh, a lot to offer this championship. And now the fact that you're obviously uh, in a Munster final, it's very, very interesting to see what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, very interesting there, uh, Rowan or Adrian, that you said that um, Limerick probably still the team to beat because, I say, you know, we've never really seen the likes of, in, in the last five, six years, Garo Tegarty, Cian Lynch not functioning, been taken off, Sean Finn injured. Do you, do you still think, even with those issues and maybe... Slightly going back to the pack, some people think you still think that they can produce it on the big day and win a monster and go out to win an All Ireland again. Well, for looking in from from where we are, we're not in the heat of the battle. We're not listening to the rumours. I suppose we're only just watching what's going on. And I suppose what's really bothering us in Kilkenny is what the name of God happened to us in the league final. Did we just did we just fold in the league final? And did we make it turn Limerick into be a huge powerhouse? We left Parky Keeve that evening saying, holy God, there's no one going to beat Limerick. And um, now it's questionable, look, as after what's happened in Munster. Yes, they've lost Sean Finn since. Yes, they've had concerns with the form of Keane Lynch and Hegarty. And it seems all is not well in the camp. You know what I mean? And as I know, we all know, and particularly that great Kilkenny team over the years, pressure in winning and pressure of performing um, does to take its toll on lads. But still think there's a bounce in Limerick, the fact that they're playing at home tomorrow, the fact that they played against Tip last weekend, and the fact they got a, a huge fright and didn't perform as well as they'd have liked, still have a sneaking suspicion that Limerick are, are, are still still there's another there's another gear in Limerick. I think, um, of course, being a Kilkenny man, uh, I hope I'm wrong <laughs> because if, if Limerick are not in this championship, I think we all have a great chance then. I know you might not all agree with that, but if Limerick weren't in the championship, I think um, yeah, everyone would have a better chance. But certainly, uh, the Munster Championship uh, has uh, uh, levelled out, and certainly as as Kilkenny men and Leinster people, um, uh, we're delighted to be in Leinster. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose everyone, everyone is turning lumps out of one another. But you're looking at Cork and Cork under Pat Ryan. You know they they. They were themselves in tip at a great game, a very open game down to Parky Cueve finishes a draw that you know then they lost by a pint last Sunday. They're not a million miles away either, you know, but you would imagine I suppose that home advantage should swing it for Limerick Adrian. Uh, yeah, but to be fair to Cork, this Cork team, like when the draw was made, uh, I suppose losing to tip, but uh, drawn with tip, the fact that they had to go to, to Ennis as you know, Ennis is a fortress. It was always going to be difficult. And yet they were so, so close. So they're not a million miles off. You're dead right. And it's a, 
it's such a tough environment to be involved in and such a tough group to come out of to be that third team. Um, <clears throat> they'll be in hard look whoever loses out, you know what I mean? Whoever's the third, fourth team in Munster, they'll be hugely unfortunate. Um, but it wouldn't be a major surprise, as you rightly said, because they were so close last Sunday with yourselves. They have done well. They have a lot of youth. But this just might be a year or two too early for some of those guys. They are certainly coming and getting stronger, as we know, underage. And just maybe under Pat Ryan, it might be just another year. But, of course, on the far side, Patrick Horgan's getting older and he's still the catalyst up front. But, um, no, still have a sneaking suspicion for Limerick, even though all is not well, it seems. But um, still have a sneaking suspicion for Limerick to get out of uh, the Gaelic grounds and still have a massive say. Have you any inkling, Adrian, what's going on in Waterford? Are they putting in this massive effort to break down the doors of dressing room and give one good display in, uh, against uh, against Tip? Or do you think that Tip will uh, will waltz into a Munster final? I think it's a dangerous game for Tipperary. I think it's a dangerous game for Liam Cal because of his association, Mickey Bevins, of their association with Waterford. They, as I said, they got a great bounce out of Waterford. Waterford are hurting. I work in Waterford uh, uh, regularly. Um, they are quite uh, in the hurling world. There's a lot of their ex-players possibly speaking poorly of them. And if you're a Waterford player uh, involved in a Waterford panel at the minute, you must be hurting uh, and hurting badly. Um, is there a big performance in them? Very, very possibly. Um, with Davy involved, anything could happen. But I just still think and I hope Imagine if someone heard me saying this. I just hope Tipperary um, come good. I think Tipperary have more to offer um, to the Munster Championship, and I think Tipperary have more to offer in the All Ireland Championship uh, going forward. Um, so I think Cal is very clever and well warned at this stage. He knows that what we're going to come with everything. So yeah, uh, maybe just the air uh, sucked out of Waterford at this stage, and maybe just they can't wait. Just to get this over with now because as I said it must be so difficult the last two weeks you have nothing to play for uh, only your pride which is massive of course but I think it's just it might be just as I said it's time to get out of Dodge here now for the Waterford lads and let the year roll on and move on and forget about it and speaking of of, of Liam Cahill Adrian and I suppose Clever we're not sure what way he's going to approach this uh, so-called suspension that's been proposed for him this one match in out of the four weeks however it is and I find it myself a bit a bit hard, you know, it was a a hard suspension to get, you know. Obviously, he he must have said something to 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 one of the officials that got him in trouble. But you know, have in hindsight, the the decision that went against him, well, he was he was correct. But I suppose you can't you're not going you can't abuse officials either without without suffering the penalty. It will be interesting to see what the final outcome will be. Yeah, it will be very interesting because, as we all know. Um, there's huge profile as regards respect and giving respect to the uh, players, to, to the referees and the umpires and, and, and linesmen. And we all have to abide by those rules because, as we said, we can't let it seep into the GA. Uh, we all have our moments, as we all know, on our given days at matches and we all don't agree with referees and refereeing decisions. But look, on the day, that was a massive day, game for Tip. It seems on the day that there was a few hard decisions gone against Tip and that very incident right in front of him was a huge decision to go against him in a huge match um, on the given day. And you look, know, his emotions got the better of him. He obviously said something, but I, I would have thought and hoped that a one-match ban might be enough and pay the penalty. But he was out in a possible two matches. 
um, this match and possibly a Munster final is very harsh. So I hope Tipperary County Board appeal it and I hope Liam Cahill uh, takes his one game postponed and I hope um, that he is back. Uh, and I really can't believe I'm saying this and I hope Tipperary and Liam Cahill are in the Munster final against Clare. Um, I think it'll be great for Tip, great for Clare and great for Munster Hurling. I think Clare wouldn't complain too much if we had a chance to tip again. I suppose <laughs> there's a feeling here that, you know, we handed them, uh, we handed them a, a seven or eight point lead inside, maybe nine or ten point lead inside Ninnis uh, early in the game, and that we were playing catch up after that. So maybe we have something to work on in terms of uh, motivation for another meeting. But Adrian, what's your opinion from the Kilkenny point of view over there? No, you probably won't won't say it, but. Um, <clears throat> Munster team, you're praising the Munster Championship there, rightly so, it's given great excitement, but by the time Munster is finished, these teams have had, some of them will have played four, if not five, savage tough games, knocking lumps out of each other, whereas Kilkenny and Gal, who probably are the teams to come through in Leinster, may not be impressing in front of big crowds and tense games, but will be lying there ready, uh, without having overextended themselves, and maybe like last year, uh, give a good hammer into a Munster team, coming in fresher. Have you any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, look, sure, up to now, I suppose we could argue our point because we felt that, you know, Wexford and the Dublins were a bit stronger and certainly the Galways and the Kennys over the last five years. Uh, but we have no argument this year. The Leinster Championship is very ordinary, very pedestrianised, and non in- looks non-intensive. You know, it's not. there's no intensity, it seems, uh, covering the matches. And as we've seen, results so unpredictable and what happened in Wexford Park last weekend. So, yeah, I don't think we have an argument in Leinster, unfortunately, anymore. This year in particular, the Munster Championship is lit up. Um, it's the, uh, you know, it's it, it, there's a feast of hurling. Every game is a ding-dong battle. Every match, is, as you rightly said, there's lads knocking down to each other. So they have to be certainly more seasoned or more tired. Or, but that being said, I think Leinster then... As a result, this is why the Leicester find is so important to Kilkenny and Galway. They need to knock lumps out of each other now, Kilkenny and Galway. They need to realise that the winner of the Leinster Championship has a shorter and easier route to win in All-Ireland. So that match is massive when they do play each other because, look, based on results the next two, the, the next 24 hours, we all expect Galway and Kilkenny. Now, that may not happen, but we all expect Kilkenny and Galway to play in a Leinster final. But as you, we all know last year, it seems... That we caught Clare last year in the bounce. This Clare were a tired team. Everyone said, "No, Kenny, you were excellent the world." Well, not too sure. As good as we might think we were. That being said, we're still Kenny. We're not too bad. A few tweaks here and there, and we will catch someone in the high grass. We're not as bad as people think we are, and we're not as good as people think we are. But if we tweak one or two positions, get one or two lads back into form. We have a few lads playing. They're not on form at the minute. They're getting by because they can get by. But if they don't come to, to form for a Leinster final, then we will be in bother and we won't be a threat. So the next two weeks are massive to Kenny and Galway because, as I said, there's a number of guys playing below form, getting away with it. And if we don't have a humdinger of a Leinster final, well, then it'll be an all-Munster all-earned. Yeah, and I suppose looking at the at the game from the outside, you know, as you said, there is a, a lack of intensity in the in the Leinster Championship, and even the day that Kilkenny played played Galway, it played out to an inevitable conclusion of a draw that both teams just seem to be sitting back, and you know, both teams need a test. And looking at yourselves, Adrian, Derek Ling in in his first year in charge, I suppose, getting, kind of getting used to the job. 
He seems to be kind of mixing and matching. Like you have, he, he maybe at this moment in time, I don't know whether he's resting Parik Welch or he has left him off, but he still brings him on. He's, he's kind of still going with the same cohort of players, though. Yeah, well, I'd say what he had planned earlier in the, in the league didn't materialise. A couple of lads have lost form, as I said. There's a couple of guys, more seasoned lads on the, on the, on the bench at the minute, the likes of Conor Fawlty, Wally Welsh, Richie Hogan, um, Parik Welsh on and off, Killian Buckley. So when you look at the Kilkenny bench, it's massively, it's filled with a huge experience. He needs two or three of those, of those five or six players that I mentioned to come to into a serious vein of form. Um, to threaten the present Kilkenny setup, what we've been playing the last uh, few weeks—that's more or less our six backs, and, and uh, give or take. But from there up, midfield now maybe sorted with Mullen and Deegan. But from there up, there's probably one or two tweaks need to happen to get the right blend. But we need Fogarty, uh, Buckley, Wally, Richie Hogan. And there's no one. They're all seasoned campaigners, all over over thirty. We need one or two of them, like Shane O'Donnell, leaders that come into a bit of form in the next month. If we do come into a bit of form, then that'll put pressure on the group, that'll put pressure on the panel, that'll make uh, positions up for grabs. But at the minute, we're too predictable picking the team, give or take. Now, again, tomorrow it'll be interesting to see how other lads get on. Um, the team they've picked, they've made a few changes and there's talks of a few changes. But, as I said, we need the more seasoned lads now to get into a bit of form. They haven't produced it all year and obviously, as we know, the month of June and July is massive to uh, to a uh, hurler at this stage. So if we were to be a threat, we need four or five lads to up the ante big time. And come here, Adrian, are we going to see at last Billy Drinan appearing in the senior championship stage? Uh, again, it's hard to know. Um, we have, and I, can't, I shouldn't say because Drinan has more to offer than just free-taking, but look, we do have the best free taker possibly. Well, you might argue with us. Um, and <laughs> TJ Reid, obviously one of the most decorated players of all time. I think while TJ is still around, we may not have that balance of Drennan and TJ. They're, they're, they're similar in what they yeah. can offer the team at this stage. So I, I, I think we need more finishers and I think Ling knows he needs more finishers. And Drennan is excellent and will be very good. But again, might have similar... Um, Mightn't have enough of the qualities or killer instinct that we need inside. We need, we're not scoring goals, and we don't. As I said, we're not threatening like we should be. If we can get Owen Cody uh, scoring goals, getting his form up a bit right, a bit more, Billy Ryan, just need more lads up to up the ante a little bit more. We're just we're we're doing, we're playing eight out of ten stuff every day. We're consistent seven and eight out of ten, but we're not getting a nine or a ten out of ten any day out of most lads. So as I said. Um, Drennan is a good lad has a great future but while we have TJ and a brilliant yeah. free taker we may not be in dire need of him just yet and turning to a quick word on Galway Adrian and, and Henry very very quiet not saying not, they're not saying a whole lot they've kind of gone through the motions much like yourselves in, 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 in Dinster um, Henry does no doubt Henry has eyes on the top prize oh yeah I mean again this is second year as we all know the travelling has to take its toll not sure could I see Henry there going forward unless Galway wins something. They're very quiet, as you said. They don't need to be uh, making noise because, as you've, we've all agreed, the Munster Championship has lit up the whole sporting world. Don't mind uh, just the GA world. Don't mind just the hurling world. 
it's lit up the whole sporting world the last six weeks. When, when you see the profile that's getting over the GA go, it's been talked about soccer and rugby, it's brilliant. And so all the attention is on the Munster Championship. So it suits Kenny and Galway brilliantly, for sure. For sure it is. Well, we know it. Again, <laughs> again, again, I'm not too sure. Is Henry quite happy with the bounce he's getting out of all these guys either? I think they need to have a few lads to get up their ante a little bit. David Burke is a massive loss. Um, and in up inside, like he just needs a little bit more consistency and needs one or two more lads to put pressure on the group. They're predictably he can pick their team within reason. Yeah, and I think that's not a good thing. You need twenty um, lads that will put serious pressure. I'm not sure has he got twenty that are putting serious pressure on. Yes, he has twenty, twenty-five lads, but they're not enough in putting pressure on. Like the Kilkenny lads, we nearly all picked the Kilkenny and Galway teams rather easily, mm-hmm. bar one or two every day. It's picked. And I think that's not wonderful. So it's massive for Kilkenny and Galway. While all the home, while all the uh, the spotlights on yourselves down in Munster to get it right over the next two or three weeks and be ready for the onslaught when it, when when he come at us out of Munster. Finally, we cannot let the program go without getting a word, Adrian, on your neighbours there. You're one of your great arch rivals in 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 Wexford, and it's sad to see the demise of Wexford in the way they have. You know. All right, they were in the Linster on the twenty final and unlucky not to win it against Offaly. Um but however, it's not good to see from a Wexford point of view or from a GA point of view the demise of Wexford. Yeah, well I suppose the demise uh, it'll only be a demise if they fail tomorrow uh, and end up in the Joe McDonough Cup, as we all know, this is completely possible. Um the demise I suppose is really down to the performance of them over the last six weeks. Um a great opening match against Galway. Uh, got two goals in the very beginning and you'd say here they have everyone back this is Wexford uh, Hurland needs Wexford uh, Leinster needs Wexford um, just even for their supporters alone I mean how often we go down to Wexford and how often we're entertained and the rivalry is massive the supporters are brilliant they just really loved their Hurland really loved their sport but they really loved their Hurland at all levels, and you would thought when they got a bounce out of their twenties beatness that that would raise their senior team. It's massive for them tomorrow. As much as they need to win tomorrow, they're still dependent on a result up in Cusey Park. And while they might get a result uh, tomorrow, it's very possible they could get a result. Uh, they beat us last year in Nolan Park when we were expected to beat them. So there's no reason why they can't beat us um, tomorrow. Um, that might seem strange. But it's very possible we're going down there. We're not humming, lads. And if there's anything in Wexford, which I believe there will be a huge amount of intensity and there's huge backlash going to come out of these Wexford lads. They're great chaps. They've been very good the last five or six years, very close. And they must be hurting. So I expect a big backlash. But as the backlash, as I said, might be a win against us. But they're still depending on a result um, above in Cusick Park, if I'm not mistaken. So it might still be out of their hands. Uh, it mightn't be enough um, um, just to beat us, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but look, Wexford, Kenny needs, as I said, Wexford, Leinster Hurling needs Wexford. And uh, as I said, they're, 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 they're massive. Um, it's a massive opportunity for them to, to get it right. But um, can they win or get a draw against us? It's a big ass based on last week's performance. Adrian, finally, before we let you go, one last question. Uh, Joe McDonough, as you speak of the Joe McDonough Cup final, and this weekend, Offaly are playing your neighbour, your other neighbours in, in Carlow, and Offaly doing a favour by letting Carlow maybe back in. Can Carlow repay the favour big time by over, by toppling Offaly in this Joe McDonough final? Uh, 
Um, Offaly Hurling's on a high, as we know. Wow. Um, you see the under-20s and uh, what's happening. Um, so it's hard to see Offaly based on the Offaly teams that we know in the past. However, Carlo will have realised what went on and maybe mightn't have taken lightly to the fact that Offaly played their B team. Sometimes that can go against you. Uh, Tom Alelli is a very shrewd operator. He's a Kilkenny man, a yeah. Glenn Moore man. Very cute, very good. Um, so good. I don't know why we haven't snapped him up in Kilkenny circles. I had him involved with minors. We were together years ago and an excellent coach and an excellent tactician. Obviously, we'd love to see Carlo um, uh, doing very well. But again, the old foes, awfully, Leinster Hurling needs, I suppose, the the old foe. But that's unfair to say that about Carlo. Um Look, you'd expect Offaly uh, still, based on the fact that Offaly are on such a high, as I said, Carlo, such a small county, trying to play, uh, survive with four or five senior hurling teams. They're a great county to be playing at that level, to be playing at this, uh, to trying to succeed. But um, as there are neighbours and nearest, you'd hope Carlo, and for Tom Lally's sake, I hope Carlo pull it off. But I think it'll be a big ask based on the resurgence of Offaly hurling. Adrian, as always, it's good to talk to you here and thanks for your, your, your views. The clock is caught up on us here uh, this evening or here on Scarif Bay Queen's Radio. And as always, Adrian, it's very good to talk to you and thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us here on Scarif Bay Queen's Radio and we look forward to the weekend activities from the coach with Relish. Good man and best of luck in the Munster final, boys. Thanks, thanks Adrian. Adrian. Delighted to be talking to Jimmy Darcy, the GA Youth and Sustainability Manager and a busy man here in Croke Park. But I was uh, made aware recently of the whole GA Green Club programme and I thought I'd talk to Jimmy about it just to find out a bit more about it. So maybe uh, summarise, Jimmy, what it is first and then we'll get into a little bit more detail. Thanks, Nicky, and thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, the, the GA Green Club programme was established in December 2020 as a partnership with our sister organisations, the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and the Camogie Association, and with the local authority sector. And the idea was that we would help Gaelic Games clubs work across five thematic areas, energy, waste, water, biodiversity and transport, and help them become more sustainable and essentially, I suppose, improve their operation and reduce their costs as well. Now, what was the motivator for this? Was was it something the GA wanted to do? I suppose it possibly followed on from the GA Healthy Club programme, which is there already. Was that the kind of the catalyst to move into this area? Um, I suppose it was. There was a number of reference points. The programme is modelled on the Healthy Club programme, a very successful programme that works with Gaelic Games clubs across the country to implement health initiatives in the GA club setting. So we've modelled on that. The GA was also recognised as a Sustainable Development Goal champion by the Department of the Environment back in 2019. And that got us thinking about the broader area of sustainability. And we also had at the time been reached out to by a number of clubs looking for a bit of direction and guidance in the area. And of course, Crow Park here itself, guided by the sustainability officer at the time, Medini Hulawan, was shown itself to be an exemplar stadium in terms of sustainability at a world level. Now, of course, here we're sitting in Croke Park here today and there's a, a lot has happened here in this stadium here in the area of biodiversity and also in terms of energy management. So I suppose the GA has been preaching that gospel for some time. 
Uh, yeah, Croke Park was to the fore and there's a range of initiatives that Peter McKenna and his team have implemented here in the stadium and I know they're looking at some other ones now, you know, including solar PV installation and rainwater harvesting. So, you know, along with, let's say, the Connacht Centre of Excellence in Ballyhonis and Mayo, where John Prenty's vision and Kurt Reinhardt's leadership has shown what can be done on a Gaelic Games campus across all those five thematic areas, we were inspired to kind of share that best practice with clubs. A lot of our clubs have been championing things themselves, as they always do, Nicky, as well. We've clubs across the country that took initiatives themselves because they saw the opportunity it was not only in terms of reducing costs for their clubs, but to do the right thing and essentially to make the GAA club, the Gaelic Games club, a more attractive place for the community and, and for participation. In December 2022, the GA launched a Green Club Toolkit. So that will give people a lot of information. I will get into the detail of what's in the toolkit, but clearly people can get that information if they log on to ga.ie and find it there through, uh, they can do a search there. The main GA Green Club page is ga.ie forward slash green club, and the toolkit lives on our GA learning platform. So it's at learning.ga forward slash green club. And as you rightly say, it contains a wealth of information. We worked with expert partners across the five thematic areas to document the guidance that was necessary. So, for example, in the transport area, we've the National Transport Authority and the Road Safety Authority working with us. In the biodiversity area, we've the National Biodiversity Data Centre. For waste, we've the Regional Waste Authorities. For energy, we've the Sustainable Energy Association of Ireland. And for water, we've both Irish Water and the Local Authorities Water Programme. And again, as an All-Ireland Programme, we've uh, established relationships with the Department of Agriculture, Environment and Rural Affairs in the six counties and we're working with expert partners there and all of that best practice has been documented in the toolkit along with case studies from Gaelic Games clubs around the country that have used the information to implement actions. So we'd encourage all clubs to access that toolkit and to take the initiative to go and do something for their club and for their community that makes I suppose the place a better place to to participate in Gaelic Games. Now let's just focus in on the the five areas that you mentioned. Let's start with energy, because clearly the cost of energy has grown enormously in recent times. Okay, maybe the cost of uh, fuel has come down a little bit recently, but the cost of energy in clubs, and I'm thinking specifically, as more and more clubs now have installed floodlighting of one kind or another, so that has the potential to add to energy costs within the club, and not just that area, but uh, what is the uh, whole thinking around that, Jimmy? Yeah, well, as you say, uh, rightly so, Nicky, everybody has experienced a significant escalation in costs associated with, associated with energy. And we're conscious that, you know, as we go with the split season and maybe having to provide for games in the darker months of the year at club level, floodlights are almost a requirement for a club now. And sooner or later, I think we're going to have to look at the issue of uh, diesel generators running uh, floodlights that is going to be phased out will probably be mandated to do that we would promote upgrading halogen lights to led lights for energy efficiency and we're looking at with the blessing of the management committee of the ga the issue of uh, the standing charge associated with the electricity to run floodlights and that's something that we feel that we can uh, lobby the the relevant stakeholders to, to to have a look at Jimmy, when it comes to water now, obviously it's an important part. I know that in many clubs, the lads go in after a match, have a shower. They could be talking about God knows what inside in the shower. The water is running and running and running. 
I suppose a little bit of smartness on behalf of the club here is probably required to help reduce because using less water is most certainly going to reduce the cost in terms of the water charge and in terms of the energy needed to heat the water. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's simple things that can be done in that area. There's a, a, a resource there in the toolkit tool to promote a, a five-minute shower challenge, you know, so you're you're not in there uh, discussing the, the game or whatever for the day. And obviously trying to uh, address the, the heating costs associated with heating water. And then the other part of the, the water area in, in terms of the toolkit is uh, water quality and clubs being conscious, you know, of the way they maintain their grounds, especially if there's a natural water course adjacent and that's something that the law pro uh, community water officers have been very helpful in addressing uh, us with. Now obviously one of the things that uh, in every club is waste. Waste can be different areas if there's a clubhouse there there's obviously more waste. The dressing rooms after a match can be like a battle zone at times and then if people have walkways around the club people tend to have bottles there and plastic bottles left around the place. So again a bit smarter here and how you segregate your waste I suppose and try and reduce it as much as possible. Yeah well we'd be very interested in helping clubs to eliminate single use plastics and single use coffee cups and that kind of thing. Obviously uh, plastic water bottles are a serious challenge in terms of ensuring that players are hydrated at training and games but installing a a tap with quality drinking water in it and providing water bottles for players that can be reused is one way of addressing that obviously and it reduces your waste. The other thing about waste segregation, I suppose, is having very clear signage. And those resources are all available, again, in the toolkit uh, designed with the regional waste authorities. Uh, and you can do something very effective and very simple there with little investment. If you use certain types of uh, bottles now, they're all recyclable as well. Now, in the whole area of biodiversity, clearly with many grounds now providing walkways for their members and for parishioners, they're obviously floodlit and that. There's an opportunity to, I know down in the Kerry Centre of Excellence, which would be the, the, at the bigger end of things, there's a lot of trees planted recently. But clearly, I imagine you would encourage clubs to to have spare bit of uh, ground there to show a bit of biodiversity in terms of putting in wildflowers if there's little corners there that mightn't be used and I suppose it all helps the whole uh, pollinator scene that's out there. Yeah, well, the National Biodiversity Data Centre had actually preceded the development of the Green Club Toolkit by publishing an all-island pollinator plan for sports clubs. So we worked with them to adopt some of that for uh, the Green Club Toolkit. But as you say, uh, one of the big projects that we've been involved in is supporting the planting of native tree saplings uh, supported uh, by Quilta and by the Department of Agriculture over the last couple of years. And we've um, distributed uh, free of charge uh, native tree saplings to clubs all over the country and they're using them maybe to plant shelter belts or you know just to enclose their facilities the other thing is managing your grounds uh, in support of pollinators that doesn't obviously mean letting your pitch go wild or anything like that it's the small areas in the corner of the field or around the walkway that improves the overall biodiversity of the uh, facility uh, in, in total Now, Jimmy, one of the biggest areas and the final area here on the list is the whole area of travel and transport. And we all know that that's a huge area with so much probably cars and going to matches and bringing players to matches and all that sort of stuff. I I know you've been talking to various parties about that. I mean, bar pool sharing, what else has been considered in that space? 
Yeah, well, look, it, it, it's a complicated challenge and it's very different from for a small rural club to a, a club that might be based in an urban area and has more access to public transport. But we, we are uh, interested in reducing our carbon footprint. Um, and there's a number of ways you can go about that. You can, as you say, implement carpooling initiatives. You can look at accessing a coach or a bus for away matches. You can look at, I know, something my own club has initiated, establishing a cycle bus where a responsible adult takes the lead and brings up the rear of a group of children cycling to training or to a match if it's in the in the local field. So it's a complicated area. It's one we have to look at. There are some simple solutions and then there's other solutions, you know, maybe in terms of infrastructure that you'd have to engage with your local authority on. And all of those contacts are documented in the toolkit there as, as well, Nikki, for each of the 31 local authority districts and for the 11 district council areas in Northern Ireland. Now, Jimmy, we all know that there's a big move towards the electric cars and in not too many years the diesel and petrol will be out, outlawed. Is there much happening around GA clubs in terms of the installation of uh, electrical charge points? Because I, I see big opportunity here to engage with a wide spectrum of the community where the charge points are installed in clubs. Yeah, well, um, we, we've uh, facilitated a scheme there to access shared island funding that was provided to install EV chargers in sports clubs across the whole island. We had a number of applications that met the criteria laid down by the Department of Transport and uh, those applications have been sent on now. and They'll be screened and hopefully a good proportion of those clubs will receive the funding to install the EV charger. Obviously, that is definitely a requirement in terms of supporting the move towards zero emissions travel and the provision of infrastructure at sports clubs where people will be attending matches and training is an obvious one for clubs where they, they, they are situated in places that have the, the, the necessary traffic to make that sustainable. Jimmy, I noticed through the different documentation I looked at as well, there's a lot of engagement with young people here and you've been uh, very much the driving force behind the GA Future Leaders Programme and I imagine this whole area of uh, that we're covering here in this topic this morning is also part of the Future Leaders Programme because you can't start people talking about this topic early enough. For sure, yeah. And I mean, when we talk about sustainability, we, we automatically are talking about the future. So young people and young people's voices and their contribution to that future is essential. You're right, the Future Leaders Programme, that is one of the largest TY programmes in the state now and was based on an initiative established by Owen Hanley, our national coordinator down in Gart Community School a number of years ago, has evolved to include a module on sustainability uh, we designed that with the help of environmental awareness officers from the local authorities. And what we're asking clubs to do when they look at this area of sustainability is to establish a green team. And on that green team, to ensure that there's a young person from the club involved. The young person can be very influential here in driving on this agenda. And I know looking at the list, there's already a lot of clubs who were involved in Phase 1. A lot more clubs are signing up for Phase 2. And are you still open for uh, submissions for uh, Phase 2 sign-up? No, Phase 2, the application process for Phase 2 closed there in late January. But we've accepted 200 clubs into that formal process where we'll be able to provide them with... Uh, maybe a small amount of seed funding to implement an initiative and we'll ask them to report on on how they get on so that we can include more case studies in our toolkit 
and evolved the toolkit to share best practice with other clubs. But again, the main amount of uh, information that we've documented is all freely accessible in the toolkit. So any GAA, LGFA or Camogie club in the country can access that uh, and champion uh, the green agenda themselves. Well, you mentioned a lot of the partners that are there, but clearly people like the Department of the Environment and all that, they're very supportive of this initiative because it gets down really to the grassroots of people engaging in communities all over the country. We are probably the, the largest community organisation on, on the island. Um, we have a footprint in every community. And because of our influence and position, I suppose, in taking action at community level, the Department of the Environment, Climate and uh, Communications are funding the Green Club programme to support those actions. So we're very gr- grateful for that funding and they see the potential for the GA taking leadership and to implement the uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals across the island. And I suppose, Jimmy, finally, that, of course, there, apart from those who already signed up to the programme, every club out there, I suppose, can do their own little way. And maybe if they just looked at the toolkit that's on the website, they'll get some help of there. And as I say, not formally part of the programme yet, but doesn't mean you can uh, sit on your hands and do nothing. No, it's all there. We, we spent two years documenting what might be relevant for, for clubs. There's guides to benchmark where you're at across the five areas. There's resources to implement simple actions. If you want to go a little bit further and reach out to your local authority and come up with an action plan and integrate that into your club's strategic plan, you have the opportunity to do that as well. And we'll um, try and support any club that's taken initiative uh, here. And we'll be opening uh, for a phase three I suppose at the end of 2024 and we expect that um, there will be many many more clubs at that time looking to be involved in this programme Well the environment is something that is very relevant to us all Jimmy I think it's great to see the GA involved as I said I'm well aware of what's happened here in Croke Park and it's good to see it happening on the ground you're getting plenty of interest and the clubs that are involved in it at the moment are very enthusiastic about it Yeah I think over the last few years, we've seen this issue become more prominent on the, the national airwaves. We've seen it affect you know, the uh, organisation of fixtures within our own games. We've seen the escalation in energy uh, costs. So there's definite interest and benefit in doing this. We, I'd relate it, Nikki, to three of our six values, particularly respect not only for people but for the environment our clubs inhabit community identity and having that sense of pride in in the places where we live and teamwork as i say off the field as well as on so the the, the green club program is very aligned uh, to ga's values and i think it's a, a mechanism for clubs to increase their participation and to produce and, and offer something better for the communities they inhabit well, Jimmy, good luck with this uh, Green Club programme. I know it's well underway and you're driving it very well. Good luck to you, Jimmy, and uh, well done on this initiative. Thanks very much, Nicky. And that concludes our sports on show here today on Scarif Bay Community Radio in association with the Credit Union on the 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM. My thanks, as always, to co-presenter Pat McNamara. Thanks to our special guest uh, here today, Adrian Ronan. And also a special thanks to former president of the GA of Kilkenny Community Radio, Nicky Brennan, for his interview uh, with Jimmy Darcy on the Green Sustainability. Also thanks to our producer, Jim Collins. Without him, we wouldn't have a show. We hope you enjoyed our, our variation of the show here today. And all that remains is Emilio Dial. Until we meet again, it's Bannock Day, August Sloan.